what can we manage outside of your weight for your health? Because even if that were the case, we don't have any way to manage weight really in the long term and pursuing it is dangerous. Well, folks, the original recordings of this podcast ended at the two-year mark in May of 2023. I find myself surrounded by special people who have asked that we put the podcast on simmer instead of taking it away completely. I've also gotten feedback that our regular followers didn't know about certain episodes. There are so many and so many good ones. So as I'm the cast iron skillet and Abby is the Instapot, we have a new sous chef, Kate, who's added her own seasoning. Kate said, we've done our meal prep and our summer episodes are in the freezer ready for consumption at any time. So we're going to roll out our favorites every other week instead of every week. And you're going to see Kate's picks and Jana's picks and Royce's picks and Hannah's picks and many others. Thanks to this new crew who are persistent in making sure that this podcast does not completely go away. I'm grateful to each of you and what you have contributed. Hello, welcome to The Seasoned RD, a podcast connecting newer professionals in the field of eating disorders to those of us who have been around for a while. I'm your host, Beth Harrell, a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor. And I'm Abby Brown, a registered dietitian who is newer to the field. I think of myself as a well-seasoned cast iron skillet with wisdom and experience, yet always ready for something new. And I think of myself as an Instapot with innovation and a fresh perspective. This podcast brings both to the table to share ingredients, recipes, and techniques of past and present so we can all be our best for the future. The kettle is heating up. The skillet is on simmer. So join us around the table for true professional nourishment. Welcome back to the Seasoned RD Podcast, or welcome to the Seasoned RD Podcast if this is the first time you've tuned in. Our guest today is Chelsea Levy. She's a brand new registered dietitian nutritionist, RDN, as a second career, and whom I met during supervision with Elise Resch. Check out episode five just a little over a year ago. In that group, I just loved hearing Chelsea's perspective, and I knew she was a must for the pod. Because Chelsea is fresh out of completing the RD exam, if you're preparing for yours, listen to some of her nuggets and I laughed out loud when I was reviewing this recording and the commentary between Abby and Chelsea. I went through so many different options on what to title this episode, like do no harm nutrition at the very least, or try this other way, or play with your food, or never good enough. So Chelsea shares with us how she got into the field and like so many nutritionists came into nutrition as a way to manage body size, then how she describes how It's unethical to pursue weight loss and answers Abby's question of what to do when someone wants to lose weight using intuitive eating. I want to share a listener comment from an RD, a high-level RD in a general hospital setting using medical nutrition therapy. She knows she's seeing eating disorders, even if not diagnosed. When I first found this podcast, I listened to every episode over and over and over again. There was so much to soak up. I also really appreciate Abby's perspective in the podcast. Thank you for that comment. 
And a quick reminder that in this podcast, we bring in medical, nutrition, and therapy professionals who share their passions to pique your interest in available modalities for the field of eating disorders. This show is intended to inform and educate. It is not a substitute for professional training and supervision required to specialize in the treatment of eating disorders, nor is it a substitute for medical, nutritional, or psychological advice from a professional or specialist. Welcome, Chelsea Levy, to the Seasoned RD podcast. Thank you for inviting me on here. It's a pleasure to be here today. Hi, Beth. Good morning. We're going to ease you into things with some icebreaker questions. So to get you going, breakfast or dinner? Ooh, breakfast for dinner. Oh, there we go. Comfy, cozy. It's been a long day. What's easy? I don't know, toast and scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can get I can get behind that one. Definitely. <laughs> mountains or beach? Ooh. So when the mountains meet the beach really is the <laughs> ultimate. But if I have to choose, it's the ocean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And these I, questions I the are, are oh, you love that yeah. ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in New York. And so you're, I don't know, is that very far? Yeah. So, you know, Manhattan is surrounded by water. We're in an island, but of course, in the immediate perimeter, you're not swimming in that water. But I bet around an hour away, you can go swimming at beautiful beaches in Long Island. And yeah, I am Mm -hmm. definitely a water baby all the way. Mm, Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm landlocked. I'm in Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) My family is from the East Coast, and my uncle would call it Missouri. And I'm like, it's Missouri, (laughs) but we, yeah. So mountains are my kind of thing, but yeah, I like so many people do say like mountains and beach together or breakfast Uh for dinner. Oh yeah. I love it all. Yay. Well, last icebreaker question is audiobook or paper book. Ooh. Okay. I love this question. So I'm such a collector of, of actual handheld books. And I do love listening to podcasts and audible sort of books. And then if something is really sort of dense or there's a lot of nuggets, I love to then go back with a pencil or pen and just take notes and sort of keep coming back to that visual of it. So I think that's in theme with kind of everything, like combining everything together. That's right. Really what I'm going back to. Well, and I think that that's what life is. It's not binary. It's, it's, mm. we have lots of shades of, of in between. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, I'm going to bring you back to your RD exam. You're a yes. brand new RD, registered dietitian. Yeah. Yes, I am. What was that exam day like for you? Yeah. So I have test anxiety. I did not pass it on my first try. And I really had to take a lot of time to go back and ground myself. And now that I'm all past it, it's like <laughs> a blip in, in time. And I just am sending so much compassion to anyone who is working on any sort of type of testing and has that sort of performance anxiety. Just want to let everyone know out there that, you know, you will get through it and it's worth it because on the other side is everything you've worked for. And it's that last step. My experience was, you know, digital on the computer, had to take a survey, which is just totally scary to do because you don't know what's happening. 
but yeah, yeah, I, I got through it and I'm on the other side now and I'm thrilled to be here. I am thrilled that you're here. I'm thrilled that you went through this program because we have a lot to learn from you as a new grad and how you were taught and what you were taught and how you adapt to the passions that you have come across. I will tell you and all of our listeners full, full vulnerability. I also did not pass on the first time and that test anxiety is a real thing. And, you know, it's, I just don't, understand when folks tell us I I don't have any test anxiety I just go in there and I do it and it's whatever Mm -hmm. so that just kind of shows the difference the different I don't know yeah standardized testing doesn't fit it's not a one (laughs) fits all type of thing and you know we we work with it and that damn survey is the worst, the worst thing they could have done. Yeah. Cause you're like, screw this survey. Show me my score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I can't. How many questions are on that survey? Like 10, maybe. I was but it feels say like, like 10 to 12. Okay. Yeah. Probably feels like a hundred. Just get it me through. Get into eternity. <laughs> okay. And I've heard that too, with the electronic, that it, it's hard to see your score or that it's not real clear. Like you've passed, they don't do fireworks and. It doesn't say it. You, you get a printout when you walk out at the oh, front desk that okay. tells you your weighted score, but you have to know what that means. Well, actually, no, that's, let me go back. It actually says that you've passed based on this weighted score out of the total. So. Okay. Yeah, that's how so, you find out. Yeah. <laughs> You have a different credential. I don't know if that's in New York. It's CDN. Yeah, that's a certified dietitian nutritionist. And so we don't have licensure in New York State as of yet. I'm sure that that eventually will come. But we do have a requirement to get that certification. Once you get your licensure nationally, your RD, you then go and get your CDN. And that's what you need in order to get credentialed with health insurance companies. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. Listen, yeah. Tell us how you got into the field of disordered eating, body positivity, nutrition. We just want to hear all about you. Absolutely. So it doesn't start out altruistic at all. And I have to admit, you know, as a caring person in the health field, it's really did start out with me making a career change. I had been working as a photography producer. I had majored in fine art photography and had a whole other career. And in after the crash in 2008 and looking around at my sort of mentors, I just didn't see myself doing the advertising marketing route long-term, but I was enjoying it at the time, but I knew I needed to have a trajectory. And so I had initially thought, well, I'm going to teach myself about food and exercise and manage my body size and then help other people with it. So that was sort of that weight-centric medical model that we know and see in that intersects into the wellness culture that is very prevalent. And so at the time, you know, I was trying all kinds of diets and weight cycling. And right before I went back for my master's, I found myself an intuitive eating counselor. And I was very ambivalent about, well, am I going to give up on pursuing weight loss to manage my quote unquote health? And after three sessions, I was sold. And I mean, of course, still really questions like, 
could could I really really solidify here and not go back and sway and you know things come up but ultimately it made so much sense with my education and understanding that I'm making an oath in healthcare to not do harm and learning how unethical it is to pursue weight loss and to teach that for other people which we know is not really attainable long term for 95 to 97% of the population and that means you know weight cycling which is hard on your cardiovascular system it's mentally straining and you know dangerous for of course eating disorders and chronically getting back into a very rigid and restrictive lifestyle that limits people's ability to have a healthy and balanced life so learning that was eye opening and unexpected and i started my program as someone knowing that i wasn't going to pursue a weight centric medical model and for those out there you can't see me so i'm in a larger body so i was the largest person in my cohort which was in itself just really hard because we're being taught that my body is a problem and in conjunction with that i'm standing strong in feeling that i've learned that there's another way there's another paradigm but we're not being taught this in school so i have to learn this weight centric medical model in dietetics spit it out onto my exams into my presentations even though it's really against my alliance of what i see as ethical so that was, there was a real incongruence there against the grain i got through it and during that time i had maybe one one solid health at every size dietitian to be in my cohort oh. who her name is Katie Zanville she's in California she's been in Elisa's group so you may have met and or seen her okay and then a couple of my good library buddies have jumped ship to the other paradigm of health at every size in their work which is really exciting it's like i've turned you but during that time it was really tough you know because i had all these professors and all these research articles to cite that just were totally against everything that i am learning about and residing in for myself and what i intend to teach others so it was like oh great i'm going to learn all this stuff have to unlearn it and then like relearn even more and deepen my practice to help others so that was my entry point Wow. I mean, you've used the word unethical a couple of times. And and then the unlearning that so many of us in the nutrition field are are having to do. Why is it unethical to pursue mm. weight loss? Yeah, that's a great question, Beth. I think what we've learned is that when you attempt to uh pursue weight loss, our bodies have a strong biological shift to focus on landing in a weight set point that is really where you genetically want to land and any sort of pursuit to restrict underneath that might show up meaning you might be able to lose some of that weight for a short period of time but ultimately within 2 to 5 years you're going to regain that weight and more and that's hard on the heart and the mind for different reasons but long term weight cycling really has shown in the research that that's harmful to the heart and we know that that raises the risk for eating disorders to really wreak havoc 
Mm-hmm. So, and it really steals space and life joy. It's really problematic. You know, sure. Sure. it's expensive. It pulls, it isolates people away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't go to dinner with you because I, I'm on a diet, so I'm going to stay home. I mean, mm-hmm. we're social beings. We're meant to connect. That just, that doesn't work in the mm-hmm. long term. And when we're taught that we're supposed to look a certain way or, yeah, for our health, that's really extra confusing. Um, extra confusing. I mean, seriously, I use the example of people used to believe the world was flat, the earth right. was flat. And so there's still people who believe it's flat, despite the fact that we know that the earth is round. And so it really depends on what you're taught and what you mm. and and how much money goes into the weight management community. Mm. And, and um, yeah, yeah, there's money to be made, right? So much money to be made. Unfortunately. Yeah. What do you... Oh, sorry. As a certified, what is the whole title? Certified intuitive eating counselor, correct? Yes. Okay. So in that position, what do you say when someone says, well, I want to do intuitive eating to lose weight? Yeah, I, that happens all the time. It's, it makes so much sense. We're, we're human. We want to be considered. We want to matter and be centered. And so that means so many people are trying to manipulate their bodies. So I really try to show up with compassion and understanding and tell people, well, we can talk about it. We can hold space for that. And my approach is, you know, not within a weight-centric medical model because of sort of what I just told everybody here. And, but what we can do is like talk about your feelings around wanting to pursue weight loss and like try this other way. And also sort of name anyone who's telling you that they can help you lose weight for the long term is really lying to you because we see in the research, one of three things can happen. You can gain weight, you can stay the same weight, or you can lose weight. Our bodies really are going to land where they biologically want to land once we are giving them adequate and consistent nourishment. And so I'm really just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So if someone was doing intuitive eating and they did lose weight and that the weight that they lost helped them reach that set point because Mm -hmm. now they are feeding themselves, just how you explained, what would you say in that situation? Would that be an appropriate weight loss or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that in some cases, people can lose a certain amount of weight with a change in their lifestyle and that might be where their body might land. I think it's really about the individual case. Is someone eating consistently and adequately and not using compensatory behavior around movement or some sort of preoccupation, you know, with foods, as long as they're really holding that balance and self-care around all those elements, then there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time, like people don't even know, what a proper, maybe proper is not the right word, but like what a meal could look like, you know, we're so mm. skewed and well, what is nutrition? Cause I hear this and then I hear that, and this is bad and this is good. And so even just giving them the guidance of, you know, these are the awesome components we could see. This is going to give you fiber. This is going to help you feel full. So just the, mm-hmm. I think the guidance that intuitive eating in such a relaxed manner is so helpful. Yeah. No rigidity. 
there is no rigidity. I I love intuitive eating for that space of unlearning because it's so focused on that external piece of following rules and rigidity and to really take the time to unlearn it and get connected to yourself and what your body is telling you. And I will caveat that, you know, when somebody's in an active eating disorder, that may not be accessible. So that structure of having a food plan and a meal plan is really essential to restore those, you know, hormonal connections to let the body cue you in on your internal needs. But I think that it allows for a room of sort of play and try trying things on because there's no such thing as perfect eating. We get to like get it wrong some of the time in a safe way, in a held space. Like I waited too long to eat and I got hungry and like, I'm not going all day. I just, I missed like the mark for myself by 45 minutes and I'm gonna not do that tomorrow. And maybe another day I'm gonna celebrate with food with family and I'm gonna eat past full. And it was uncomfortable, but I'm not doing it to the point of, you know, harmful behaviors. Mm -hmm. Quick break here to give a big shout out to the sponsor of today's episode. I really appreciate the support from Great Plains Idea. And Great Plains Idea is an online master's degree in dietetics program. It's diverse just like our profession. I have mentioned in the past that I teach a course in the fall called Nutrition Therapy for Eating Disorders through Great Plains Idea. So you can choose from a variety of courses to elevate your leadership skills, help you apply cutting-edge information in clinical nutrition, public health nutrition, healthcare administration, or nutrition needs across the lifespan. So you can tailor your degree to enhance your practice and meet your professional goals. Courses are completely online, so you can fit them in around work and family. To learn more, check out gpidea.org or visit the link in our show notes. That's what we have to ask as intuitive eating counselors. We have, we have to ask folks to put weight loss on the back burner. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it's not important to you or to them. It's that it can get in the way of actually listening in. Like you said, it may not be available. I love the word that you used, the unlearning, but to play with it. It's mm-hmm. it's playful. It's not this mm-hmm. very rigid counting, weighing, measuring everything. Right. And the last, as you were saying, Abby, about the, you know, fiber and other things. And this is the 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 tenth uh, principle is gentle nutrition. Sometimes we have to wait to do that because if mm-hmm. someone has diabetes and they have been told that they need to count their carbs, that can be very helpful for their carb for their hemoglobin A1C, but it can get in the way of hunger and fullness because if they're looking at the scale every day or counting and becoming too rigid and getting caught up in the rabbit hole of all of that, then they may turn to the over restriction to which then the body reacts with hunger and, and that doesn't help blood sugar levels in the end either. And the idea of just trying things, just practicing, let's just see, it's almost a crazy idea. You know, like people want to see a straight line. This is exactly what is going to work. So yeah, I like how you said the word playful, like, I don't know, let's just see. I like that idea. Thank you. It can be really scary. And 
I really like to caveat with my new clients because this is an outpatient setting that this is within a harm reduction model. So if someone comes to me with a lot of intense medical nutrition therapy needs, we're going to look at that first and make sure that people are getting the medication they need so that we can play with food. For example, someone with type 2 diabetes who's recently diagnosed, yeah, their blood sugars are mostly maintained. They Maybe they have first-line metformin to take. And so we can focus on making sure that they get that timing they need for the consistency, and but we can get more play with like combining the foods and figuring out textures and tastes. So doing it with safety and then, you know, in other cases, maybe there's like more flexibility. It just depends on the situation, but not really giving a specific prescription of what to eat or how much to eat, because that really doesn't let someone connect to their internal needs. So Chelsea, you said, um, you said that you live in a larger body. Yes. And what do you say to folks who say, but I have to lose weight for my health? Yeah. And that happens often sometimes with my clients with eating disorders or more acute cases for the outpatient setting. Yeah. It's a big concern. They've been told by their family or their peers or in school or wherever they've learned it and it's it's in the news so it it comes back to well what can we manage outside of your weight for your health because even if that were the case we don't have any way to manage weight really in the long term and pursuing it is dangerous so if we take that out of the equation what would somebody in a thin body be prescribed? What would we do for them? And are we doing those things for you? First and foremost, you know, I think I that's that. a place for exploration and it feels hopeful. Mm-hmm. And because this podcast is for professionals, I think that we need to mention the the health sheets mm-hmm. for through Health at Every Size, through the ASTA program. Association for Size, Diversity, and Health, and pursuing health is not something that anyone should have to do, and if they are interested in doing that, but they know that they've tried multiple weight loss programs because that's what they thought was the right way to go, it can be, you just feel beat up, chewed up, and spit out, so the Mm -hmm. health sheets are so helpful because, and we can link to those in the show notes too, but if you have someone with high blood pressure Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. high cholesterol, it's how Mm -hmm. can I pursue my health and getting these numbers to where it's good for my body without the pursuit of weight loss. And, and yeah, so Abby, back to your point too, about if someone loses weight, if their body stays there, and like Chelsea said, that they're they're continuing to eat intuitively and satisfaction, then that's, that's okay. The problem I think can be when someone gets attached to that and then they start restricting or compensating, as Chelsea said, to keep that off, then it becomes less intuitive, I should say. Mm -hmm. I love the health sheets. I actually used the joint pain one for one of my clients with RA and that was really helpful for them to sort of lean into trusting themselves to do this unlearning after decades of dieting it's really exciting speaking of RA have (laughs) you looked into the AIP diet yeah I, I have a client with a 
I mean, all eating disorders are restrictive, but with anorexia who had been put on that diet before working with me and we had to really parse through how dangerous that is for the intersection of eating disorder care of like what sort of this, what the medical model is promoting. What is this diet? I haven't heard of it. It's the autoimmune protocol, but now people are calling it autoimmune paleo and it's this wildly, wildly restrictive. I mean, no legumes. It's just, it's, it's more restrictive than FODMAP and FODMAP is temporary. And yeah, it, it doesn't have a lot of substantiated, it doesn't have much of any substantiated Mm -hmm. evidence. So I definitely relay that to anyone who brings that to me. And as you both know, like altered GI is so complicated with eating disorders. And so we really can't lean into any of this sort of direction on its own. It just, there's comorbidity and there's complication and we have to really honor the nuances of eating disorder recovery and GI. Mm -hmm. So many of these suggested diets for various conditions are like lacking research like crazy. Mm -hmm. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't even know why they're being recommended specifically the AIP. I was just working with it and I'm like, Oh geez, this thing sucks. Yeah. And if it sucks for you, it sucks for them. Yeah. Oh, completely. And I would expect it from someone who maybe doesn't have their licensure and isn't hasn't studied dietetics, but I've seen it be recommended by dietitians. So I, I just I always tell everyone to be wary. Where look at the evidence and are are the subjects in the research even centering your body? So I had a client a couple of weeks ago in my office in tears and they've been working on intuitive eating for, I don't know, it would have been since October of last, so several months. They stood on the scale and uh, the tears were, I believe, about grieving the body that, mm-hmm. and this person is in their, in their forties, grieving the body that they wish that intuitive eating would have given them. Mm. And, you know, in the fat positivity space, and we're just going to use the word fat, like you can tell our listeners how that's an okay word for some, but how do you, how do you help people settle into that? If they're one of the people who hasn't lost. Yeah, absolutely. This is, it's such a hard dynamic. And I want to caveat this by naming that reclaiming the word fat as a neutral term equivalent to tall or short feels really important to me. And if it doesn't resonate with you out there, that's okay. You can choose whatever sort of word is most comfortable because it is a stigmatizing word in our society. So I use the word fat, but you might use the word larger body and there's no wrong way to use it. But yeah, as a sort of political statement, I reclaim it in a neutral description. So I'm fat, meaning my clothes come from online. I can't wear straight sized clothing. They're plus size only. And I recognize that I have even privilege on the spectrum of, of, of fat and that there are people larger than me who don't have access to even that kind of clothing that they have to maybe have it made. So yeah, just sort of naming that there's a whole range, but um, it can be really scary to 
have to lose control of the idea that you want to be centered in your body size in a society that really maybe only like 5% of the population naturally looks a certain that certain way and is sort of promoted in a smaller smaller look so we have to really unpack what that's all about which is really racist and classist and really problematic on many levels and not really based in in actual health so it's a lot of that acceptance but on top of that we live in a system that doesn't center all bodies so gaining weight to the point that you need to for your health simultaneously not being able to fit into chairs or airplane seats can be really really challenging i know that's been my personal experience that leaning into intuitive eating led me to gain weight and i don't fit into an airplane seat without getting an extended seatbelt extender and that's really what has initially been hard but i'm not dieting anymore and i <laughs> i am happy for it not weight cycling and i i can share that lived experience with other people it's a hard it's again it's just it's a really challenging dynamic and because in some ways certain parts of this experience of your body changing is healthy and safer for your yourself mentally and physically and then having to go out into a weight stigmatizing society or work with other types of clinicians who are weight centric is really really hard so that's why i would say i really pair this with being um, a patient advocate that positive advocate meaning i want to celebrate fat bodies that land there and because body diversity has always existed and we need to really let it shine and where there's areas that those bodies aren't centered i want to be an advocate for the people that i'm working with that i care about that get vulnerable with me and let me help them unlearn you know behaviors in their life that were harmful so that means maybe helping them navigate like how to book an airplane seat or like what airline to use or what seat belt extender to purchase or that you could get one on the airplane or like just sort of giving people options to know what they can do for themselves calling their doctors ahead of time and holding space for making sure that they're going to be as safe as possible which isn't always the case i do my best it doesn't always work out i do want to name that like you know that can it can only go so far but if i can protect somebody from getting weighed and then that sort of anthropometric gets shared with me directly that's like harm reduction for my client mm-hmm. you know there's so much that we could in just in that last two minutes of what you were talking about we could spend a whole hour one of the things that you know living in a fat body you said intuitive eating led me to gain weight I can just hear the weight culture, the weight centric mm-hmm. culture. So they're going to say it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And as eating disorders professionals, you have to understand what weight suppression is, regardless of initial weight or regardless of uh, the way you feel about different size bodies. Larger body folks can be can be weight suppressed. Yeah, I work with a lot of clients in larger bodies with eating disorders and they often it often gets missed doesn't get diagnosed they don't meet the criteria that's been put out there enough and you know 
even if they are diagnosed and there's an understanding by their eating disorder therapist and their eating disorder dietitian, myself being on the team for this sort of example, but then they go to the doctor and the doctor tells them to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's really dangerous. And it's, it's, it's safer and, and healthier to stay at a higher weight than to weight cycle. Bottom Absolutely. line. I share Absolutely. that with my clients all the time, but it doesn't, when it actually happens to you, and I'm going to go back to the, the client who was sitting across from me in tears, realizing that her weight wasn't going to be one. And when we first started, it was your weight's either going to go up, down, or stay the same. And she knew mm-hmm. that, but still going through and finding out months later that her weight has not gone down was, was hard for her. It's a real challenge. It is really hard to help people let go of, you have to lose weight. You have to be in a smaller body. And what I find difficult is we, I open up the space for that and we talk about it and, you know, the history of where is this coming from? Why are you wanting to lose weight? All of those things but it's hard, you know, it just, just mm-hmm. takes so much time. And sometimes I feel like it's something that they have to realize on their own, like as much guidance mm-hmm. as we can give. I don't know. I, I'm not sure they, there's not always the one thing that I think clicks for people. Something interesting to add into this is, you know, even within my education of dietetics, I got a master's in science and nutrition, I understand my microbiology, biochemistry of the body, how nutrition works. And even with my own care around intuitive eating with my intuitive eating counselor dietitian, I was still, I wasn't pursuing weight loss immediately. However, I was still having the desire to wish that my body would land in a smaller body it's so seductive in our culture. I, w- I want to name that because even with my education, I still had this like hope or belief that with a magic wand, I could change that. And I think it's really important that people get to have their feelings about that grief to, uh, of that, because no matter where your body lands, it, it often isn't really even about the actual body. And we still live in a system that centers a certain look and values it. And it's, it's problematic. Mm -hmm. And it's so rooted. It's so rooted. But Mm -hmm. I love the word seductive. It really is. And of course, at the end of the year, and as new year's is coming every year, people get the, the, shiny bright lights of all these new possible diets and new possibilities of having that body that they believe that they can have Mm -hmm. if they just work hard enough Mm -hmm. yeah if you just work a little harder maybe you'll yeah your body will shift to a smaller body I remind my eating disorder clients who have been in lower weights wherever their bodies are even if they're in larger bodies the lower weights that they've been in they're never happier for being in that body restricting and spending less time connecting to themselves and others and maybe they're less maybe they're less stigmatized but they're never truly they can look back at pictures and say yeah i looked i feel like i looked more in line with the culture 
but right. but they can see how miserable they were. And I would add that often it's never good enough. <laughs> no matter what, no matter the number, never it's never good, good enough. enough. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's so common. Mm-hmm. Well, Chelsea, kind of a wrap up question we have for you. So if mm-hmm. you were to take yourself back to entering the field of eating disorders, what do you wish you would have known then that you do know now? Ooh, I wish that I knew that you are never going to get it exactly right. Like you're always learning that, that the, you know, it's just a reminder of science that we're always evolving. So you don't have to have it all right now to, you know, feel confident in what you're doing. That's what I would tell people that I would really want to stand in that in the beginnings of dietetics and training. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of Beth and I always talk about like you, you never, what do we say? You don't, you know, don't know what you, you don't know. You don't yeah. know what you don't know. I was just <laughs> talking to know. a coworker about like, man, it's taking longer and longer to chart these notes. I thought I would be getting quicker at this, but now <laughs> we're realizing like, Oh, I wasn't doing that. And now I'm doing this and now I'm doing that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so we really just don't know. And I think even Chelsea, your description of what you learned in the beginning, you said, can I solidify here in this space? But I have to do no harm. And so it was you're, you were straddling that fence of like what you were trained as a medical model and then what you know to be kind and harm, harm reduction. Yeah. You were questioning that in the beginning. And we can do it. There are, we can do it. I've been doing this work a long time. And I just see when people finally come through the other side of this, it's like, Mm -hmm. no matter what size their body is, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of freedom and there's no disorder to Mm -hmm. their, to the eating, which is just huge. I sleep better at night knowing that. Exactly. So you have a great Instagram. How do, what is your handle? Yeah, it's at Chelsea Levy Nutrition, and my website is chelsealeavynutrition.com, and I have a private practice in New York City. I do see people around the country and internationally for intuitive eating counseling, you know, pertaining to the state. If there's a licensure that's accepting, I can work on medical states with folks. I work in just a couple different specialty areas that I like to highlight. Everything endocrine, I work with diabetes, PCOS, and gender-affirming care with uh, intuitive eating, chronic dieting, and eating disorder recovery. And I'm adding a little more of a focus with gestational diabetes into that care. Awesome. We should have you back just to talk about PCOS. I would love that. Yeah. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I realize I mispronounced your name. It's Levy. So that's okay. My apologies. All good. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being with us. Let's lean on each other and learn from each other so we can grow together as professionals in this field of eating disorders. If you want to connect with me for supervision or membership with monthly content, please find me at bethharrell.com slash professionals.